turning signals into strategies. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Amy Webb, Professor of Strategic Foresight at NYU's Stern School of Business, author, quantitative futurist, and founder and CEO of the Future Today Institute. Welcome back, Amy. Hey, Tanya. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you again. Remind our audience, if you will, what do you do at the Future Today Institute? I'm a quantitative futurist, and at the Future Today Institute, we map emerging forces of change, longitudinal trends, and try to understand their impacts on business and government. Um, so we do research looking at the next order implications of science and technology. FTI provides a wealth of free resources just for the asking. One of those is your periodic newsletter, and a recent edition included your annual year in review. Explain why that letter is more than just a look back at the year that was. So every year for probably the past 16 years or so, I've uh, put together an annual list, um, a list of all of the signals and the forces, the things that happened in the previous year that's ending, and um, what that might mean for the year ahead. So, you know, futurists have to pay very close attention um, using data and evidence to signals of change in the present so that we can model out where we see contradictions and inflections and changes and patterns. It's that information that helps us um, see plausible futures. And so this list that I make for myself it's kind of a laundry list, a giant list of all the different things that happened and why they're significant. Um, I started making public uh, a couple of years ago. And so that's that's this annual letter, which we send out to, I forget how many people are on our newsletter, 30,000 people uh, who signed up for it. And then we also put it on our website. Of the dozens of macro forces, signals, and trends listed in the letter, pick a few out for us, if you will, that stand out as highly important to watch now? So, you know, there's some usual suspects. Artificial intelligence uh, had a pretty big year in 2020. Um, there were some pretty big announcements, uh, GPT-3 and uh, GPT-3 as a service. Um, this is a new language model that's pretty darn good. Uh, at representing human language and some pretty big advancements were made over the over the last year that I think portend some advancements uh, that are coming on the horizon. Um, there were changes in algorithmic discovery. Uh, there were some pretty big advancements that happened in computer vision. Um, and then of course ethics. Uh, it's hard to talk about AI and not talk about what happened at Google in 2020. Um, when a really well-respected AI ethics researcher, uh, Timnit Gebru, was, uh, was fired um, for raising concerns about diversity, and that had some uh, ripple effects throughout the rest of the organization. Um, so that's AI. Synthetic biology had a huge year. Um, so this is a term you're not familiar with. Synthetic biology is a sort of umbrella term to describe um, bioengineering technologies, things like CRISPR, uh, messenger RNA and the like, for the purpose of editing or augmenting different life forms. The reason that synthetic biology 
kind of had a big year was because of COVID. Um, the viruses or the vaccines that are making their way around the US, um, at least two of them use something called messenger RNA, uh, which is really, really cool technology. Um, rather than it being an attenuated virus, so having bits and pieces of COVID roaming through your body, um, instead it's code. Uh, you're, you know, for those who are getting those vaccines are being injected with genetic code that sort of rewrites um, the, uh, the, the existing code in their bodies and, and creates an immune uh, response, which is really amazing. Um, and because these are effective, there's been a lot of um, new interest in the field of synthetic biology and lots of other types of um, developments, including uh, DeepMind, which cracked open the code on protein folding. It's a very long um, existing problem within the scientific community and, uh, and they were able to make some pretty big developments. We saw both chaos and opportunity at the intersection of the global pandemic and digital transformation. What echoes will continue to be reverberating there? Well, you know, at the end of last year, um, we were starting to talk about cancel culture within the realm of workplace activities and technology and obviously politics. We had a, we had a rough year. Um, and that definitely set the stage for some of what we're seeing now. So <laughs> whether you call it deplatforming or corporate denials of service, a lot of people got kicked off. Of, uh, of AWS and um, you know, web hosting services and registrars and social media companies um, for inciting violence. This is the first time we've really seen this happen at scale. Uh, and it's an interesting shift in the relationship that the big tech companies have with other companies because some of the groups that got deplatformed were themselves um, social media companies, so Parler getting kicked off of AWS, for example. Um, within the space of digital transformation, though, you, know, you had a whole bunch of people suddenly working from home, uh, and and that that you know, <laughs> who who are working on their own devices using routers, and who knows when the last time the firmware might have been updated on those routers or how secure they really are. So I think um, one of the things we saw in 2020. Um, was a rise in awareness of the vulnerabilities with the IoT. And we'll probably start to see the impacts of that this year. One last thing that didn't really get talked about in 2020, um, but I think is probably one of the most fascinating stories, um, is has to do with Amazon and healthcare. Last year, Amazon really pushed forward aggressively across a number of different areas, launching Amazon Pharmacy. So when Amazon bought PillPack, um, I guess two years ago, it sort of slowly transitioned. It was PillPack and then it was PillPack by Amazon, I think. And now it's just Amazon Pharmacy. You know, in a lot of states in the country, you can just order your drugs online, whatever you need, your prescriptions, um, you know, along with everything else you would order. Um, Amazon, AWS launched something called HealthLake, which is a healthcare analytics platform um, that makes it easier for organizations to use and share data. There's a transcription system called Amazon Transcribe Medical. 
uh, there's Care Hub, uh, there's, there's the Halo wristband that everybody was talking about. Um, and, and they also expanded Amazon Care, which is their telemedicine unit. So I think one of the big stories that's going to eventually get told is how COVID uh, plagued the strengths of Amazon in ways that people really weren't, you know, tracking. And I thought you were going to mention UFOs. Um, <laughs> just describe the tools you mentioned for turning signals into strategy. Oh, um, so so we use lots of different frameworks. Um, one of them uh, is called the 11 Macro Sources of Disruption. This is a tool that looks like a wheel um, that has 11 different areas that we track, um, that, that we look for when we're trying to find signals of change. Um, and those are some obvious things like the economy or demographics, but we also look at wealth distribution and obviously technology. Um, once we track signals there, uh, we start looking for patterns. And so we're looking for inflections, contradictions, changes in practices, and some other things. That helps us get a handle on what are weak signals that we should be paying attention to but aren't yet mature. Where do we see strong signals of change? Um, what are the macro forces at play? And how does all of this translate to long-term, what we would call longitudinal tech trends? All of this stuff matters because it's this, these are the inputs for strategic decision-making. Um, and it, for the companies that are able to track all of this information, they just have a much better uh, framework. You know, they have much better information um, for, that they can use to make their strategic decisions. As if this newsletter edition isn't enough, you also have your annual Emerging Tech Trends report coming out soon. Give us a hint as to when we might see that. Uh, I would like to know too. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, uh, we are in the process of finishing it right now. Um, so this is an annual report. Obviously, we're tracking this information all year long. Um, we produce an annual report because we think it's useful to look at the interplay between all of the different you know, forces, signals, and trends rather than simply looking at them in silos. Um, so it's enormous. There are hundreds of long-term trends, some of which we've been tracking for you know, 16 years. Um, and it comes out in March and it's freely available um, to everybody. And just for fun, how can people get copies of your posters and calendars? <laughs> yeah, so this year, um, or last year, we were, um, my, my staff and I, thought it would be kind of interesting to put together a travel calendar for the year 2021. Um, and what would that look like? So we made this like crazy, beautiful, old school looking travel calendar. Every, every month is a different country, but um, they're all visual scenarios and it's all speculative fiction. So, but it's rooted in fact um, and, and data and evidence. Uh, so that's also available. The artwork's amazing. I, I'm saying I didn't do any of it. Uh, <laughs> it's gorgeous. And it starts with uh, January is a trip to nowhere. Um, there are airlines. People are so tired of being cooped up in their homes that there are airlines that are flying people just around. You can take it in Australia. You can get on a plane and just fly around for a couple of hours 
have the experience of having traveled um, and then and then you know land. And these tickets are not cheap. Uh, people are willing to pay thousands of dollars for seats. Um, anyway, so the calendar kicks up with a, kicks off with trips to nowhere, uh, which very much feels on point for the year 2021 so far. And it's <laughs> there- funny. Well, I can't, yeah. I can't tell you how many people that I've had mentioned that they j- miss traveling, I yeah. guess, you know. I don't think those people have actually traveled for business because as somebody who traveled constantly, there's very little that I miss about that, about that life. Same. So I have to close the loop on this. You did have a small mention of UFOs in the year in review letter, right? Yeah. UFOs seem to be kind of making a a comeback. So um, I'm still not entirely sure the motivation behind this, but, but the federal government in the United States said that it was going to declassify documents related to UFOs. Uh, that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and that's where we're at. Separately, we have a member of Congress who is going around telling people that um, different UFOs uh, with laser beams are firing lasers on California, causing wildfires. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, and that's clearly false. That's a made up story. Um, and as far as like the science and tech goes, like the physics doesn't work out on the made up UFOs from space shooting lasers to start wildfires as some kind of big conspiracy. Um, but who knows? I don't know. I'm, I'm like watching the expanse right now. So maybe this will be it. Maybe this will be the year that, uh, you know, that we find that, that the truth is out there, that we find life. Does anything else surprise us anymore, Amy? Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty surprised. I, as, I, as I'm talking to you, we're blanketed under the worst uh, snowstorm in, in history in this part of the country. So, you know. 15 feet. Something like that. Yeah. Amy Webb, Professor of Strategic Foresight at NYU Stern School of Business, author, quantitative futurist, and founder and CEO of the Future Today Institute, and an amazing woman. Thank you so much, Amy, for coming back and talking to us more about your work. If somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way they can do that? Uh, you can go to futuretodayinstitute.com, and we've got a ton of research for free and a bunch of other stuff you can, you can download. It's always a pleasure to have you, Amy. Thanks, Tanya. And find more of my interviews right here on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify, or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching. Thank you.